1.15. Today we are concluding this series we've been in for the past several weeks as we've been talking about the power, the power of choosing, the power of your choice. And this is a, the, the recurring statement that I made throughout this series is this, the quality of your decisions will determine the quality of your life. Right? Really simple. Quality of your decisions will determine the quality of your life. Now, I do understand that there's choices that others make that can detrimentally impact your life. But again, at the end of the day, you have the choice as to how you're going to respond. And the quality of your decisions will determine the quality of your life. This truth is illustrated in the story of Viktor Frankl. Maybe you've heard this story before. Viktor Frankl was a Viennese Jew and spent three years in the prison of war camps throughout Germany. He was moved from camp to camp, spent several months in Auschwitz before he came to freedom. Later, he wrote about his experience. And I want to read just a couple paragraphs that he, that he wrote concerning his time in the prison war camps. It says, The experiences of camp life show that man does have a choice of action. There were enough examples, often heroic in nature, which prove that apathy could, could be overcome, irritability suppressed. Man can preserve a, a vestige of spiritual freedom and independence of mind, even in such terrible conditions of psychic and physical distress. Went on to write, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they, they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Well, what a statement. Victor learned the power of choosing as he lived through the atrocities of prison camp. And I think we have the same power today to direct our lives. It's the choices we make that are making our lives. It's the choices that we make that are setting our future. Now, before we talk about this last critical area of choosing, I want to do a quick review from last Sunday. Last Sunday, we talked about the power of consistency, being consistent. With God's help, we're going to pre-decide to be consistent in our lives. Before I give you the review, how many of you engaged in the seven-day challenge? Awesome, quite a few. Hopefully it was encouraging each day, kind of a motivator toward consistency. And last Sunday we said we're going to do three things to grow in consistency. The first we said is, is we're going to start with the why. Why? Allow the why to motivate you. Secondly, we said we're going to fail forward. In other words, we're not going to like fail and quit. We're going to fail and progress forward. And then the third thing we said to grow in consistency, we want to fall in love with the process. Like it's not what we have to do, it's what we get to do. And as we establish those choices, again, what does it do? It sets us up for greater future. As we, may, as we cons consistently make better choices, we get better outcomes. How many of you want better outcomes? I think we're all in for better outcomes. Well, to get better outcomes, you have to make, again, better choices. Well, this morning we want to talk about a choice that can transform your life, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. If you consistently make this choice, it can open your life to joy, peace, and blessing. It can set you up for an amazing future. And here's the choice. It's the choice to consistently connect in relationship with God. Consistently connect in relationship with God. What you must know this morning is that 
your relationship with God doesn't just magically happen, right? It doesn't just like occur. It's not like you go to bed one night and you wake up the next morning and you're spiritually mature. I mean, that's kind of as crazy as saying you go to bed one night and you wake up the next morning and the marriage is like unbelievably healthy. No, how does marriage get unbelievably healthy? You make what, a lot of investments along the way, a lot of choices along the way. Then it's the same in our relationship with God. It, it doesn't magically happen. It's connected. It's connected to your choosing. So a vibrant relationship with God is developed through your choices. Like every other relationship you have, your relationship with God is determined by the quality of the investment. Folks, here's the bottom line. You'll be as close to God as you choose to be. Say it again. You'll be as close to God as you choose to be. Like the ball's in your court. What are you going to do with it? You know, through God's gift of salvation, we have the privilege of living in relationship with God. But salvation should be more than just fire insurance, right? Salvation should be the entry into a living, life-giving relationship with a God who loves us outrageously. But I think the challenge each of us face is we get so busy or we get so distracted or we become so complacent that what ends up happening is we give God the leftovers of our lives. Like there's no space or place left for connecting in relationship with God. And the reality is because it, we've, not, we've not made it a priority. We've not made, we've not made the choice to like give Jesus the priority. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek, notice what Jesus said, seek first, not seek second, not seek when it's convenient, not seek when you feel like it, not seek on Sunday morning, two Sundays out of the month, but like seek Jesus. Make him the priority of your life. And then notice what he says. All these other things begin to fall into place when you get the priority of Jesus right. And life begins to happen according to that of God's plan for your life. Yeah, I believe it's the choice that has the ability to positively impact everything else about your life. The choice of giving Jesus that place of priority. Listen, if you want to discover more life in your life, let me tell you how you find that, by giving Jesus the priority. If you want to see and experience God doing greater things in your life, let me tell you how to experience that. It's by giving Jesus the first priority, that first place. If you want to experience like a more fulfilled marriage and a better family, can I tell you how you get there? It's by seeking Jesus first, giving him that priority in your life. If you want to see God at work through your finances, how do you get there? I believe it's through seeking God first. Hey, what I've discovered personally is that the key to better life and a fuller life is found in making Jesus the priority of your life. Fuller life, better life. So you need to predecide. This is what you need to predecide this morning. You need to predecide that you're going to seek the one who matters most. We're going to predecide. We're going to make a predecision. We're going to seek the one who matters most. That we're not just going to profess Jesus, but we're going to live Jesus. How many know there's a big difference between professing Jesus and living Jesus? There's a big difference between salvation and lordship. 
Salvation is opening your life to the wonder of God's grace. It's a miracle of, of new birth happening in your life. That's like the beginning point of the race. There's a difference between salvation and lordship. Lordship is this. It's about doing life with Jesus. It's about making Jesus the priority of your life. It's about setting your life to seek him first. So we're going to pre-decide that we're going to seek the one that matters most. Well, as Jesus was on his way to the cross, you know, like one of the last parables or analogies that he gives before going to the cross, he, he shares something with the disciples that was significant for them, I believe significant, significant for us today as to how we discover life how we discover fullness of life, fruitfulness in life. There's a word picture about a vineyard. So before we read this text in John 15, I want you to think about a vineyard. How many of you have ever been to a vineyard? Walk through a vineyard. So, so this morning, think about a vineyard. Think about grapevines, grape branches. Think about those branches full of grapes. Have that picture in your mind? Quite possibly as Jesus was walking with the disciples toward the valley of Gethsemane, maybe they passed the vineyard. And Jesus then draws this analogy from this vineyard. So if you have this picture of a vineyard in your mind, listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, or the vine dresser. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will, eat, it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Notice verse 8. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, Jesus loved to convey the deepest truths with the simplest analogies, right? With something that was very practical, something that the disciples would have fully understood. They knew all about vineyards. And so Jesus takes this word picture of a vineyard and he gives them, I believe, this great analogy of how we discover life. So before I unpack this analogy let me ask a simple question how many of you would say I would like to find I would like to discover more life in life any takers or maybe we would say it like this how many of you would like to experience Jesus in a greater way in your life I think most of us would be all in so Jesus here gives us this this way to fulfilling life. So let's see how we can discover life. First, we have to understand that Jesus is the vine. Scripture makes it very clear. John 15, when Jesus says, I am the vine. Now, oftentimes when we think of the vine, like I had to dig into this a little bit because we didn't have a lot of vineyards in the Ozark Mountains. We had a lot of steels hid away in the mountains, but not many vineyards. 
I was digging into this, and what I discovered is what I thought was divine is actually not divine. What I've always called the vine is actually the branches. The vine is what grows out of the ground. The vine dressers or the keepers of the vineyard would try to keep the vine about 32, 36 inches. And so the vine comes out of the ground and it's like on the end there's this gnarled ball. And out of this gnarled ball, the branches grow and they run along the trellis. So the vine is that which is the source. It's the source of life for the branches. It's the branches then that produce the grapes. And so Jesus says here that he is the vine. He is the source of life. It's important for us to understand that just as there's a vine that gives life to the branch that produces the grapes, so it's important for us to know that Jesus is is the vine, and if we're going to have life, if we're going to produce fruit, well, we have to stay connected to the vine, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, Jesus is the vine. Go ahead and tell him. As we look on in this analogy from the vineyard, we, we further discover the second part of this is that we are the branches. You're the branch. I'm the branch. So in the vineyard, the branches are the focus of the vine dresser or the gardener, right? Because it's the branches that produce the fruit. So they're very careful as these branches are coming out from the vine to run those along the trellis or to prop them up with sticks. You want to make sure that the, the branches have plenty of air so air can move through, so they can get plenty of sunlight, and so that you can easily tend the branch to get the fruit. And so the branches are the one connected to the vine that then produces the fruit. So just as the branch receives life and the potential of fruitfulness from the vine, so we are dependent upon Jesus. What fruitfulness, effectiveness in life comes as we're connected to Jesus, as we're connected to the source. So listen, God created us to live in connection with him. And in that what we find fulfillment, in that we find life, in that we find peace, in that we find joy. That's why Jesus would say, hey, to the disciples, guys, this is so important. Don't miss this. Simple analogy, but significant truth. Even as the branch is connected to the vine, so you need to be connected to me, the source of life. And what we see as we look on in this analogy, John 15, is that God desires fruitfulness. What does he want from your life? What does he want from my life? He wants fruitfulness. Just as the vine dresser or the gardener works the vineyard desiring an abundance of fruit, so God desires that from our lives. Matter of fact, if you look back to verse 8, Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As Christ's disciples, there should be fruit happening in our lives. But the only way we can bear fruit is what? We have to be connected to the source of life. We have to be connected to Jesus. Now, as we think about fruit, there's what I call inward fruit and outward fruit. The inward fruit would be what the Holy Spirit's producing in us. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, kindness, peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit are being produced in our lives as we're connected to Jesus, as we're connected to the life source. But there's also then the outward fruit. And what's the outward fruit? It's 
It's acts of service, acts of kindness. It's revealing the love of Jesus to others. It could happen in a lot of different ways. But what's clear from this passage of Scripture is that God expects fruit from us, right? He expects you, he expects me to be living our lives connected to Jesus in such a way that fruit is happening in our lives and through our lives. So what's the key? What's the key to the fruitfulness then? The key to the fruitfulness is remaining. Or some versions say to abide, to abide in Christ. It's interesting as you look to this text, the word remain, in the version I read this morning, the, the word remain is mentioned seven times in eight verses. You can count that to be for sure. Seven times in eight verses. Do you think Jesus might be trying to communicate something to us? Like by the repetition. Seven times in eight verses, you find this word remain. Jesus says you need to remain in. That fulfillment and fruitfulness is, is discovered as we choose to remain in Christ. So what's kind of the bottom line of this text is this. You need to remain in Christ. Remember, tell your neighbor, hey, remain in Christ. Go ahead and tell them. Now that sounds odd, doesn't it? You probably haven't recently told someone, hey, you need to remain. So what does, what does it mean to remain? Simply the word remain means this. It means to abide or to live in or to dwell in. It's the charge to live our lives fully devoted to Jesus and to draw life from him. Listen, the branch draws life from the vine, right? That's how it produces the grapes. Simple analogy. And so for you and I to discover all that God has for us in this life that he's blessed us with, the key is what? The key is to remain, to be connected in, to be devoted to, to draw life from. Now, I know here in this text, Jesus is talking about a vineyard, but it would be a little hard for me to get a vineyard on the platform this morning, so I got a blueberry bush instead. <laughs> Different plant, but same principle, right? How many of you like blueberries? I love blueberries. Out of all of my fruits, blueberries is probably my favorite. Blueberries and strawberries. Now, if it's apples, I like apple pie. But with blueberries, we just keep these in the refrigerator at home. And you want a snack, but you go to the refrigerator. Want to try some? No? Here. There's plenty. I, I, I don't have any more services, so we can just sit here and eat them all. Mm. I love me some blueberries. The blueberry plant naturally produces what? Yeah, not a trick question. A blueberry plant produces blueberries, right? That's what we expect. When we lived in Troutman, we had several blueberry plants, and they would produce blueberries because that's what they naturally do. But for the blueberry plant to produce blueberries, it has to be connected. Like each of these branches, if you've never seen a blueberry bush like at harvest time, each of these branches has the potential to produce some really scrumptious blueberries. But here's the key. The branch has to be connected to the rest of the plant. So if I were to take a pair of pruners, sorry, and to cut a branch, to sever the branch from the plant, 
What happens to this branch? It dies, doesn't it? This branch, because it's been severed from the source, no longer has the potential to produce blueberries. What it was naturally designed to do, it now doesn't have that ability. Why? Because it's been severed from the plant. Listen, you and I were created to live in relationship with God. Go back to the very beginning. God created mankind that we might live in relationship with him and represent him to the world. That we might experience this, get, get this, an outrageous loving relationship with a God who's crazy about us. That we might be so connected to him that there would be fruitfulness in our lives, that there would be fulfillment in our lives. And that was God's design for humanity. Just as the blueberry plant is designed, it naturally produces scrumptious blueberries, so it is in our lives. But for that to happen, what do we have to do? We have to remain in. We have to be connected to. We have to be drawing life from. I mean, that's the whole principle of what Jesus is saying in John 15 to the disciples. He's saying, hey, guys, I'm going to show you the way to an unbelievably amazing life, greater than anything you could ever imagine. Here it is. Stay connected to the source. Draw life from. Remain in. To remain in Christ. So to remain, a couple of things as this plays out in our lives. I think first to remain, you must deepen the quality of your devoted time with God. Listen, every committed follower of Jesus who wants to grow in their relationship with Jesus and experience greater fruitfulness in their lives needs to define a time and a place to connect with Jesus. Now, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad that you chose to get up and come worship at Grace. It'd be pretty boring if I was here just talking to myself. So I'm glad I get to talk with you. But can I tell you something this morning, just being flat out honest? One hour a week on Sunday morning is not going to be sufficient for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm glad you're here. I think this is a good place to be. This is a healthy rhythm, a healthy routine to gather with believers in worship. And I'm telling you, one hour, one day a week is not enough. Try to build a healthy marriage on one hour, one day a week. Try to build a healthy family on one hour, one day a week. It doesn't work. As I said earlier, you'll be as close to God as you choose to be. But it requires an investment. So remaining, this whole concept of remaining requires like a commitment to being um, in relationship with Christ. So this concept of, of having a daily quiet time or, or devotional time is somewhat new for you. Maybe you've tried it a couple times before and said, hey, that just didn't work for me. And we have a resource for you this morning. On the back of your sermon notes, there's a little QR code. There's a great article about um, how to have a quiet time. Really simple process to walk you through that I think will be really helpful for you. Because Jesus is saying here, hey, the key is to remain. The key is to abide in. How can you do that? Again, we have a resource to help you. Because again, that you're consistent 
and connecting in your relationship with Christ. But you, you don't want to just have, though, that morning time. What I've discovered beyond that, like to remain means you need to broaden your devoted time, taking it from a morning appointment to an all-day attentiveness to his presence. Okay, you don't have to do what I do, but let me, t- let me tell you personally how this works out for me. Every morning, even this morning, every morning, I start my day with Jesus. I'm up, I'm in the Word, I have some worship, I have some prayer time. Um, happens early at my house before anyone gets up, so no noise. I start my day every day the same way. And then what I do is I take Jesus with me into the day. I don't leave him at home. Is this what, I, I don't know about you, but I need help. I'm, I'm challenged in my life. I, I'm challenged to be the husband I need to be. I mean, my, my wife's a handful. I don't know if you've met her or not. <laughs> I need help. To be the father that I need to be. Man, sometimes I just make such a mess out of it. I, I need help. You know, I lead a staff here at the church, and sometimes I don't do so. I need help. I don't, again, I don't know about you. Maybe you got this thing all figured out, and you don't need help, but I need help. I start my day with Jesus, and I take Jesus with me throughout the day. What does that look like? Yeah, every once in a while, I'm driving down the road, maybe I'll sing a little song. Maybe there's a scripture that comes to my mind. Maybe there's a point of prayer, a point of reflection. Maybe I know someone's in need, and yeah, it's a little 30-second prayer here. I'm engaging Jesus throughout my day. To remain means well, we're, we're, we're just kind of we're doing life with Jesus. That's the best way I can say it. You want to find more life in life? Let me tell you how you do it. You do life with Jesus. You're remaining. He said, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. You'll come to an experience An unbelievable life. So as I wrap this up this way, I want to help you put this to work today with three pre-decisions. How can can we get better at remaining? Because remaining is the key to fruitfulness. It's the key to fulfillment. It's the key to experience more life in life that Jesus talked about. How do we put it to work? Oh, I want to offer three things to you. The first is this, pre-decide a time. In other words, put Jesus on your schedule. You know, if, if you get an appointment on my schedule, it happens. I, I live my schedule. What? Because it directs my life. So if, if you call my assistant, she's going to get you on my schedule, and I'm going to show up. Why? Because it's on my schedule. So pre-decide a time. Put Jesus on your schedule. It can be early in the morning. I'm wired for early. I lo- mornings are my best. So I'm up early every morning, and my time is early. Now, early might not be good for you because you like to sleep in. Um, so maybe it's the middle of the day. Maybe it's the end of the day. I, I don't know. Figure out what works for you. But the first thing I would encourage you to do is predecide a time. Now, what we want to do is develop healthy rhythms, right? Healthy routines. 
that help us remain. Because if we remain, if we're drawing life from the source, then what naturally happens? Like the blueberry plant naturally produces blueberries. We naturally produce fruit as we are connected to Christ. So first, predecide a time. Second, I would encourage you to predecide a place. A place. Again, what we're trying to do is develop healthy rhythms and healthy routines. Predecide a place. For me, it's a recliner in my office. It's where I'm at. You'll find me every morning in my recliner in my office. Because that's where it happens. That's where I'm connecting with Jesus. And it could be your kitchen table. It could be on the back porch. It could be as you're walking through the neighborhood. Listen, be a lot of different places. But I think it really helps to predecide a place. We're going to predecide a time, predecide a place. Thirdly, we want to predecide a plan. A plan. Define the plan and work the plan. See, for some of you. I don't want to offend you this morning, but I just want to be truthful with you. For some of you, you're not consistently connecting with Jesus because you don't have a plan. You've been sitting around waiting for it to happen. And I'm telling you, friends, it's not going to just magically happen. What do you need? You need a plan. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be difficult. My plan's not difficult. I just carve out the first 30 to 45 minutes of my day just to be with Jesus. See what happens. In the word, a little worship, a little prayer. Have a plan. Again, we have a resource for you that I referenced earlier, how to have a quiet time. Some kind of plan that directs you. Because again, this is what I know about life. Man, life gets busy. Would you agree? How many of you know there's a lot of distractions? And this is what I know. If we're not careful... We get so busy and we get so distracted that we end up giving God the leftovers of our lives. Rather than saying, hey, this is a priority. Now the choice we want to make is that we want to remain in Christ. The choice that we want to make is like we're going to invest in the relationship that matters most in our life. Now, one of the things I've discovered in my own life is that I make time for the things that really matter. Isn't that true? You make time for the things that really matter. I think most of you know I'm an avid outdoorsman. Listen, when it's hunting season, I'll make time for what really matters. If that means I have to get up at 3 to get my work done by 5.30 so I can be in the woods before the sun comes up, I make it happen. Why? Because I really want it to happen. It really matters to me. If you're a golfer here today and golf's like your passion, somehow, someway, you're going to find your, you're going to make a way to get out on the, on the golf course. If shopping's your passion, you're going to find a way somewhere in your schedule. You're going to make that happen, right? You're going to go spend somebody's money, <laughs> right? And I could go on and on, but this is what I know. We make time in our lives for what really matters. So choose to seek the one who matters most. Make Jesus the priority. Make that choice. I'm telling you, what you're going to discover is more life and better life. Why? Because you're connected to the source. The source of life. 
Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for the privilege that we as faulty, failure-prone human beings, that we have the privilege of living in relationship with you. Wow. That is mind-blowing. Lord, that you've given us the privilege of drawing life from you and in that discovering fruitfulness and fullness and fulfillment, more life and better life. God, what I know is it's found in you. Jesus, even as you said to the disciples, hey, stay connected. Like the branch connected to the vine. So you need to stay connected to the source. Lord, so that's true for us today. So my, my prayer this morning is that we would give you that place of priority in our lives. Lord, that we would, that we would choose to remain. And in that, God, again, as the blueberry plant naturally produces blueberries, so, God, life begins to naturally happen because we've chosen to consistently connect with the source. Now, Holy Spirit, help us to walk this out, I pray. With every head bowed and eye closed, I'm going to ask you a question really quick, and then I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you're here today, and, and you, you, say, you would be honest enough to say that there's been a lot of other things that's been a priority in your life, but if we're just like fully honest today, Jesus has not been the priority. You know how you can tell that? Just look at your schedule and look at your checkbook. Those two things will tell you a lot about what's a priority in your life. Your schedule, where you spend your time, and where you spend your money. So just a quick assessment of your life. You'd be honest enough to say, and Jesus has not had that place of priority. I've allowed other things to take that. Like God's been getting the leftovers of my life. But today, today I'm choosing to place Jesus back in that place of priority. Today I'm choosing to remain. I'm going to walk that out this coming way. I'm choosing to remain in Christ. If that's you today, I just want to pray for you. That as you take that step, that, uh, that God would meet you and that you would be able to walk it out. Just, you're saying today, man, I, I'm choosing to make Christ the priority of my life. Is there anyone? I say, yeah, that's me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm readjusting my schedule. I'm thinking it through. I'm going to get that time. I'm going to get that place. I'm going to get that plan. Yeah, several folks. Oh, Lord, I thank you today. Over individuals who are just saying, hey, I'm going to reorder. I'm going I'm I'm to place Jesus back in that place of prayer. And God, I just thank you that as they make that decision, you're going to meet them in that place. And it's going to be awesome. More life and better life. Because they've connected to you, the source. Holy Spirit, help them walk that out, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.